what a beautiful reminder of a great prayer. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art lowly. Hold me with thy steadfast hand. That's a beautiful prayer for us today as we gather to worship in this place. Thank you for joining us for worship today here in the sanctuary, and thank all of you who have joined us uh, by Facebook Live and by live stream. We welcome you today. And we're glad that you've chosen to worship with this church family. We pray that you feel his presence as we worship, whether you're here or whether you're at home. So uh, this morning we're going to stand and greet. And by the way, it's a little bluer this morning for me. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it took a minute, didn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, things are a little bluer. But anyway, we're going to take time to greet one another today in the name of the Lord. Just stand and wave at each other and let each other know that you're glad they're worshiping with you. And then we'll join together in singing together. sing this beautiful hymn, crown him with many crowns.
we do adore him and we magnify him. You continue to worship as our worship team leads us.
dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Thank you. You may be seated. What a great day it is to worship our Lord, our Savior, our cornerstone. I love that verse that the weak are made strong through his love and through the storm. He is Lord of all. And that's why we go to him in our time of need, our worry, our fear, our depression, our loneliness, our addiction, our guilt, our sin. We go to him because he is Lord of all. And I want to reiterate what I shared at the early service today. Um, even though things are still not back to normal as we would like to see, He is still Lord over all, and God is still in control. And I want you to be encouraged by that today, that God is still in control. And one of the ways that He gives us comfort and strength and guidance is through His Holy Spirit and when we pray. And maybe you've been praying a lot more during this season. Or maybe you've gotten away from your prayers because you've not seen God answering like you have wanted. But know that God's timing is perfect. I'm going to talk about that more in just a few minutes. He's never early. He's never late. God is always right on time. And so today, if you would like to tap into his life-giving, life-saving, life-changing power. We're going to have a time of prayer, and you can pray from your seat. You can pray, those of you watching on live stream or Facebook Live in your home, wherever you might be. It's possible you could be in a deer stand right now, and you're watching the service. Um, I'm thinking about maybe my father-in-law, but I'm not sure but the fact is, wherever you are, you can pray. And that can be your altar, wherever you are. So I'm going to invite you right now to join me as we lift up our prayers together. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that Jesus is our cornerstone. And Father, that you are Lord of all. And that when we are weak, we are strong through you and your spirit. God, I want to lift up every person in this house of worship, every person worshiping with us online. And Father, I pray that they might feel the spirit that I feel in this place that we all might be humbled by your mercy and by your grace. Lord, we just come to you acknowledging how great you are and how much we need you in every area of our lives. God, today we want to praise you for our salvation through Jesus Christ. We know he is our only hope. Lord, I pray if there are people who don't know you, worshiping with us, watching today, that they might come to know Christ, that this would be the day of salvation for many. Father, I pray for 
folks who are on our prayer list that are struggling, hurting, grieving. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them your supernatural strength and your healing touch. Anoint them, O oh God. And we pray that with your stripes, with your wounds, that they might be healed. And Father, I pray a, a prayer for Jimmy Gantz and the loss of his sister. Bless this family, I pray. And Father, I, I pray for Dorothy McIntyre and the loss of her brother-in-law. Father, I pray for Mary Campbell and Gladys Brumbach and the loss of their grandson, Scooter McKeon, and ask God that you would comfort these families as they grieve. And Lord, I continue to lift up families that are hurting during this season, marriages that are suffering, children that are rebelling, finances, Lord, that are, that are hurting. I pray, God, that you would bring healing in every way and comfort and strength. Lord, we continue to pray for great revival and great spiritual awakening. We need it. We need unity in our country. We pray, oh God, for our leaders. We pray for the upcoming election that your will would be done. We pray, oh God, that people might turn to Christ before it's too late. Lord, I just pray today if there are those, again, that are hurting, questioning, doubting, suffering, longing, I pray that they might find the answer in Christ, in Christ alone. And Father, we just ask now that your Holy Spirit might continue to sing and play through our musicians and speak to us, God, through your living Holy Word. And Father, help me and my weakness to be strong. Use me as an instrument of your peace and love and hope. And Father, I and we will give you all the praise and the glory and honor both now and forevermore. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I appreciate all the beautiful music today from all of our instrumentalists and worship team. And in just a moment, a portion of our choir will be leading us in worship. Thank you all for being here. It, I love to sing and praise God. And many times when it comes time to preach, I don't have a whole lot of voice left because I've been singing my guts out during the worship, singing extra loud with my mask on. So, uh, the heavens can hear and declare how great God is. And so, uh, but I'm just so thankful that we can worship the Lord. And I'm thankful for you all being here and watching today. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3? 2 Peter chapter 3. And again, the choir will be coming to lead us after the reading of God's Word. Begin with verse 8. But, not, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you all for leading so beautifully. And again, thank you for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I always like to share a little humor just to break the ice, to get ready to, to hear more important things. And this is a little uh, holiday humor. Uh, a husband and wife were having a, a little argument, or you could say an intense moment of fellowship. And the wife said, look at my hands. My, my hands have blisters on them from the broom. And the husband said, well, next time, take the car, silly. <laughs> Do you get it? He was saying his wife was riding, gripping, riding the broom that she was maybe a possible scary person, which potentially, anyway. Thank you. <laughs> Have you ever, through the years, prepared for something? I think we all have. We've all made preparations for certain things. As students, we study to prepare for a test or to prepare for exam. Maybe as athletes, we conditioned our bodies by running or, or lifting weights to prepare for the season. Maybe as adults, we have uh, not eaten foods or had to drink some uh, awful tasting substance to prepare for a medical procedure or for a surgery. It's possible when the weather changes, we have made preparations for colder weather by covering our plants or flowers or by dressing more warmly or by having our furnaces serviced, but all these things and so much more we have done to prepare for something that's up ahead. And I believe that we as Christians or folks longing to have a relationship with Christ should be the most prepared people in the entire world. In our scripture passage today, we see Peter writing the same group of people that he wrote to in 1 Peter. You remember he was writing primarily to Gentile and Jewish Christians who had been persecuted and scattered because of their faith in Christ. In the first letter Peter wrote, he wrote primarily to encourage the church that had been persecuted from influences on the outside of the church. Now when he's writing 2 Peter, he's trying to give encouragement from false teachers and evildoers who are now inside the church. He wrote with these three primary reasons in mind to, to generate Christian growth. He wrote to combat the, these false teachers and also to encourage this young church to have watchfulness and to be prepared for the Lord's certain return. Do you all believe today that Jesus is coming back? He is going to return. And we are to be prepared. As a matter of fact, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, I believe we're closer than we've ever been. And it's not each day, it's by every moment we're getting closer 
to the Lord's return. And in view of this understanding that he is coming back, and even these folks thought it was going to be in their lifetime, how much more in our lifetime that the Lord is coming back. And in light of this information, how should we be living our lives? How can we be prepared? The first way we can be prepared is by trusting in his promises by trusting in his promises. In verse 8 of our scripture reading, uh, Peter said, uh, my friends, do not forget this one thing. Uh, a day is like a thousand years with, with the Lord, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Now, with God, he is above time. You understand God is greater. And in view of eternity, a day is like a thousand years to God. And a thousand years are like a day. So we can't really fathom God's timetable. But God, as I said earlier, is always on time. And his timing is perfect. And when he said the, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, you know what scoffers were saying? Scoffers were saying, oh, he's not really going to come back. He's a liar. He's not telling the truth. Uh, they were trying to discourage these early Christians. And some scoffers may do that even today to discourage you and me, to say, oh, he can't be trusted. He must be asleep. He's not coming back. Live however you want to live. Do whatever you want to do. you got all the time in the world. And that's the devil's lie. We are to look for his coming. As a matter of fact, when he shared that passage out of verse 8, that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day, he was making reference to Psalm chapter 90, verse 4. And when David talked about that a thousand years in the sight of God are like a day that has just gone by. And then in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, he shared that, that through these things we have God's great and precious promises. And so we are to cling to these promises. Bible scholars have estimated that there are over 7,000 promises in God's Word. Over 7,000 promises in God's Word. Pastor, author David Jeremiah said, whatever the, the circumstance, whatever the current pressures or anxiety or doubts, or no matter what the scoffers tell us, we need to keep in mind the promises of God. He said, write them down. Memorize them. Ponder them in your heart. Claim them. Pray them back to God. And we are to claim these promises. What are some of the promises? Well, these are some well-known promises. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise from God. 
Hebrews 13, 5 tells us that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise from God. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. That's a promise from God. And then Jesus preparing His disciples for His crucifixion when He would go to the cross, tried to prepare them after He had washed their feet in the upper room and had taught them servanthood and humility. Jesus said in that great passage we often use out of John 14, beginning with verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. But it's a promise from God that he's prepared a place for you and for me when we place our trust in it. That's a promise. We must claim these promises each day that we live. Back in the 1800s, there was a man by the name of Russell Carter. Russell was a gifted athlete, went to a military academy, was a gifted athlete. He would go on to become a teacher and a coach at a military academy. He considered himself a Christian most of his life. <clears throat> but at age 30, Russell came down with a, a heart issue. It was a it was a heart condition. The doctors at that time said, we've done all we could do. And they didn't give him a whole lot of hope. But you know what Russell did? Russell got down on his knees and he began to pray. He got down and prayed and he made a promise to God. He said, whether you bring the healing or not, from this day forward, I consecrate or I commit my life fully to serve you and to study your living word all the days of my life, whether you bring the healing or not. I want you to know Russell would go on to be ordained as a Methodist minister. Not only that, but even after serving as a minister, he would go on to medical school and become a physician. But during that time, he also had many times where he would spend time in God's Word. He did live past the age of 30. As a matter of fact, through God's healing power and grace, he lived for 49 more years that the doctors said that there was nothing else they could do. But during that time, even before the healing came, after claiming the promises of God, he began to write some words down and even began to write some music. And in 1886, he wrote this song that many of you will be familiar with. St 
Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages may his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. And then you know the rest. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing, standing on the promises of God. And if Russell Carter could stand on the promises of God when the doctors told him, you have no hope, we and that what we're going through today can continue to stand on the promises of God. And whether he brings healing or not, we're still going to trust in his promises. God's going to get us through. But we must trust in him and his promises. But he goes on to say in, in verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as many understand slowness. But listen, but instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The second way we can prepare for the Lord's return is by turning from our sin. Is by turning from our sin. And when it says he is patient with you, well, we as a fallen race many times want things selfishly the way we want them and when we want them. We want it in our time frame. When I said earlier, the Lord's timing is perfect. He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time. These scoffers, again, were trying to say, you know, he's forgotten about you and he really doesn't love you, but it's just the opposite. Because of God's great mercy and his gift of grace and love, he wants us to repent. He's given us time to repent. What is repentance? You've seen me do this. You've heard me share this. Repenting is when we've been living our lives like this, and then we have a, a change of direction, a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of attitude. It's a turning to God, returning to God morally, ethically, spiritually, relationally. We're turning back in every way, submitting fully that our actions would be in such a way that we're bringing glory and honor to God. Repentance. And we know that God desires for us to repent. And if there was ever a time to repent, it would be today. And when I think about stories of repentance, I can't help but think about that great parable in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. You remember the story? Remember, a man had two sons. The younger son went to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And the father gave him his share of the estate. Remember, the younger son set off for a distant land, a distant country. You know where a distant land or distant country is? Is when we want to get as far away from God as we possibly can. You can be sitting right where you are and be in a distant country in a distant land. You don't have to travel hundreds and thousands of miles to be distant from God. You might be distant from God right where you are. 
But this son went off into a distant land, squandered his entire inheritance on wild living. We know later in this parable that it was prostitutes that he was spending his money on. Remember that a famine came. And he got, <clears throat> excuse me, he got so hungry that he longed to eat the pods the pigs were eating. Now, this is when the repentance part comes in. In Luke chapter 15, verse 17, he had a light bulb moment. It said, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to eat, and here I am starving to death. This is what I'll do. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell my father how sorry I am to ask him to forgive me and to make me as one of his hired men. So that's what he did. He set off for home. You know the rest of the story. And when he was still a distance from the house, and this is a parable, this is the symbol of God, this is showing what God does when we repent. It said, the father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, he hugged him and kissed him, said, this son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Bring a ring and put it on his ring. Put a robe on his back. Put sandals on his feet. Kill the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. That's the way God treats you and me when we repent and we come back home to the Father. He loves us and He forgives us. That's the message of Christ. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The first spirit-breathed New Testament church message was in Acts 2, 38, when Peter who wrote this passage, said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. So the message is we must repent. And you're here today saying, Well, I don't know if there's anything I need to repent of or not. I'm not real sure. Well, is it possible that you need to repent today of hate? Is it possible that you could have hate towards someone? John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother and sister, he is a liar. Did you hear that? For how can someone say that they do not love their brother and sister whom they have seen and, and say that they love God whom they have not seen? Do you have hate in your heart? Is it possible that during this time when our country is so divided, you have hate to someone who believes differently than you do politically? Is it possible that, that you have built up hate toward a family member over something that happened at the passing of one of your parents? Is it possible that you're an adult and you have anger still toward your mom or your dad who left one or the other in the divorce, and you've got built up hate? Is it possible you hate your neighbor, your next door neighbor, with all the feuds you've had over the years? Is it possible that you have hate toward a coworker because they got the, the new position that you wanted and you did not, so you hate them? Is it possible that you have so much hate toward someone that you can't even sleep at night? 
I pray that you would repent from the hate. Or is it possible today that you have hidden sin that you need to repent from? What do I mean by hidden sin? Jealousy, envy, anger, unforgiveness again towards someone? David wrote in Psalm 69, verse 5, he said, Oh God, you know my folly, his foolishness, his sin. And he said, My guilt is not hidden from you. We can't hide from God. We can't hide our private hidden sin from him. Remember Adam and Eve tried to hide from God after they disobeyed him in the Garden of Eden, but yet God knew exactly, even though he said, where are you? He knew where they were. He knows where we are. You have some hidden sin that you need to turn over to God today. But then maybe you have to repent from some harmful habits. Some harmful habits. Maybe you have a harmful habit of drugs or alcohol or or lust, or pornography, or maybe you have a gambling issue. You have some kind of harmful habit that's destroying your life, your family's life, your, your, your entire uh, being as a follower of Christ, destroying you because you care more about this addiction, this harmful habit, than you do in your relationship with God. Well, I, I think back to 2 Chronicles 7.14 that we use quite often when God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, it takes humility to admit that we have these problems, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, here's the repentance part, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And we know that we have to do our part and repenting. God's going to do His part of forgiving, but we have to be willing to repent and come to Him. Is there something you need to repent from today in your life? If you were here a couple of Sundays ago and then last this past Wednesday night prayer meeting, I reiterated about the challenge I gave a couple of Sundays ago, the Love Your Neighbor Prayer Challenge. And I challenged you all, much like I did before Easter, the, the cross challenge. I had asked you if you would feel led of the Lord after praying about it to go pray for your neighbors. This came about one day when I was out jogging, running through my neighborhood, which I pray when I'm running anyway. And as I was jogging many times, the neighbors that I know their names, I would pray for them. I would just lift up a prayer as I was running by their home. But God impressed on my heart to take it a step further. I felt strongly led of the Lord to go up to the neighbor's door and knock on it or ring the doorbell and to ask them, is there anything that I can pray for you about right now? And so this past Monday, I began that journey. But not only by myself, if you were here Wednesday, you heard me say, my little girl, Aunt Catherine, wanted to go with me and be my prayer partner. So she gets on her little bicycle with her basket, and she has a little notebook, and when we go up to the neighbor's door and we step back off the porch, I know we're in the midst of a pandemic, and I even had my mask with me if it was going to make someone uncomfortable, but we step back off the porch and we said, hey, 
We're the Lesters. We just live down the street here, and we just wanted to come and to ask if there's anything we can pray for you about. The Bible says we're to love our neighbor. Can we pray for you? The outpouring has been just wonderful, unbelievable. And in two days of doing it, we've only gotten to eight homes because everybody wants to spend time sharing what their needs are. And they need prayer. I mean, there have been people in tears, concerned about their adult children, people that are lonely, family members in the nursing home, people that are battling financial issues. I mean, the list goes on and on. But you know what one of the first visits we made on our prayer visit? Someone said, pray for me that I might change how I feel about the other side. They were talking about politics. Pray for me that I might change how I feel about the other. And they were being genuine. They didn't want to have hate toward or anger toward someone that believes differently. And I don't want us to have that kind of hate either. And I want us today to learn how to love and pray. And I shared with you Wednesday and a couple Sundays ago, if you don't feel comfortable going up knocking on a door, you can just jog by, drive by, walk by. And I realize some of y'all might live out in the country where you don't have any close neighbors, but you could at least pray for them as you drive by. And if you feel led just to send a card or put a note on their door to say, on this date, we prayed for you. And I just wanted you to know you're being prayed for by someone that cares. People were so appreciative that somebody cared enough during a pandemic to pray for them. We all need prayer, don't we? And I'm hoping some people are going to come to Christ as a result of these loving our neighbor prayer time. But not only are we to turn from our sin, but... We read on in verse 10 that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. How can we be prepared for the Lord's return? By trimming our lamps. By trimming our lamps. Now, you're saying, what in the world does he mean trimming our lamps? <clears throat> Do you remember in Matthew chapter 25, there was a parable about ten virgins or bridesmaids and do you remember that there were five who were wise and five that were foolish? And it was the job of these bridesmaids or virgins to watch for the bridegroom. And do you remember when they went out to watch, they took their lamps and five of them had oil in their lamps and five of them did not. And because the bridegroom was slow in coming, and that's a reference to the return of Jesus Christ, that they grew tired and drowsy and they fell asleep. And do you remember, and Jeff, I think I shared this, that you sing a song, don't you, Midnight Cry, that someone came and, and cried out, the bridegroom is here, the bridegroom, at midnight hour cried. And so the virgins took up their lamps in verse 7. It said, all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. To trim the lamp meant to, to cut off the charred edges 
of the wick or the rag that was dipped in oil on the end of that lantern or that light. And so to clip off those charred edges so their lamp would burn brightly. And so remember, those who did not have oil tried to get the ones who did have oil to give it. Give us some of your oil. He's here. He's, he's coming. They said, sorry. You can go down and get your own oil where they sell it down the road here, but we've got to get to the, the banquet because the bridegroom is here. And you remember that while they were going to get their oil, the bridegroom came, and then after they realized he was there, they came to the banquet, and they began beating on the door, Sir, sir, let us in, let us in. And he says, I don't know you. And that's how it will be when the Son of Man returns, it says in verse 13. You know, the foolish virgins or foolish bridesmaids represent the people who don't know Christ. The oil is symbolic in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. Christians that are filled with the Spirit of God are ready for the Lord's return. What about you today? Are you the wise or the foolish one that's asleep spiritually when the bridegroom is, is coming? Jesus said in the previous chapter in Matthew 24, 44, for you also must be ready. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Paul said these words in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. You know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's why we are to be prepared. And when it goes on to share in verse 11 that the earth's going to all be destroyed. It's going to be laid bare in all of its elements. That's the judgment of God. That's what he's talking about. Everything's going to be destroyed. And in light of this information, verse 11 says, what kind of people ought you to be? If you know the world's going to be consumed by fire and all of its elements, everything's going to be... What kind of people ought you to be? And then he goes on to be a little more specific. You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look for His coming and speed, it's coming. And I want to ask you today if we are living holy and godly lives. What does it mean to be a holy life? We talk about it all the time. That means to be set apart, to be different than the rest of the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16 he talks about, because he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Talking about the Lord. And godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4, through 4, to paraphrase, Paul said, I urge you then, first of all, this was priority in all prayers and petitions and and intercession, and, and thanksgiving. Now listen to this. This is going to resonate with some of you. That we are to pray for all those in authority. Pray for everyone, for those in authority and kings, so that we might live quiet lives in all godliness 
and holiness. Listen to the rest of this. For this pleases God who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. But did you hear that? That we are to pray for everyone, to those in authority, for kings. When Peter wrote this, he was near the end of his life in which he would be martyred. And tradition has it that he died on a cross. But not only did he die on a cross, he died upside down on a cross because of his faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't feel worthy to die the same way Jesus had died for him. And when he said that to pray for it, it was wicked Roman Emperor Nero that he was saying to pray for him, for those in authority. Now I want to challenge you all before we close out. We've got an election coming up, and whether President Trump is reelected or Joe Biden's the new president, we as Christians are to pray for whoever is the king and whoever is the one in authority, whether you like them or not. That's what we're called to do as followers of Christ because this pleases God when we do this. And I pray that we would have that kind of commitment. Now I want to close by saying this. To finish out, Aunt Catherine and I went back out our second day to pray. We're going back out this week. But Aunt Catherine and I went back out to pray she asked me at 7 o'clock before school on Tuesday morning, Dad, we're going out to pray again this afternoon. I said, we sure are. And the last home we went to, we saw our neighbor out in the driveway and went up and began to small talk and then shared the reason why we were there and said, we just, we're praying with our neighbors. The Bible says to love our neighbors. We want And they began to share their heart with us. And at the end of everything that they were sharing, they went on to say, I'm ready for the Lord's return. And said, and looked up to the heavens and said, Come, Lord Jesus, come and speed your coming. That's what my neighbor said. And it touched my heart. But not only that, but about five or ten minutes later after we got in the house, my wife said that neighbor texted them or her and said, you're not going to believe this, but after Todd and Ann Catherine left my house, God answered one of the things that I asked him to pray for just like that. Instantly, God answered one of my needs. I said, praise the Lord. It doesn't always happen that way. It's in God's timing, but that lets us know God is still on the throne and God is still in the business of answering prayers. So how can we speed the Lord's coming? By repenting and coming to Christ. That's one of the reasons He hadn't come back. That we would live holy and godly lives. That's how we can speed His coming that we can live righteous lives, loving our neighbor, praying for people. That's how we can spend, and that we look for him, we watch for his coming. All these things are going to speed his return. Hasten to him. Speed is coming. 
Are you prepared? Have you gotten your house in order? I'm talking about your spiritual house. Do you need to make some wrongs right? You need to ask for forgiveness? You need to quit wearing the name Christian like a label and start living it? So your family, your coworkers, your neighbors will know. And I shared this before. When we go up and ask our neighbors if they need prayer, there's some accountability that we're going to have to act better than we've been acting or living better than we've been living so they'll know that we're just not saying one thing and doing another. Are you ready? Are you prepared? It's not too late right now. Let's get ready as we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there's anyone watching or in this place that's never given their heart and life fully surrendered to Jesus Christ, that today would be the day that they confess their sin, that they ask You for forgiveness and invite You to come into their heart to save them. Lord, may many pray that simple prayer to begin their journey of living for Christ. Lord, maybe there are Christians that have had some hidden sin of anger towards someone, resentment or jealousy or envy or pride or guilt. Oh God, I pray today that You would remove that sin as far as the East is from the West. And may they recommit, oh God, trim their lamps, trim off those charred bad edges, Lord, and start living a holy and godly life. Or Lord, maybe there's some folks that have been looking for a church home. We're not perfect. We're a lighthouse on the hill that's trying to draw people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that some new family members would come in. But Lord, we know You're coming back and we want to be ready. We want to be prepared. May we start right now with the help of Your Holy Spirit of doing whatever we need to do to speed Your coming, Your return. We'll give You all the glory. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand right now. and If you're at home, join us as we sing a hymn of commitment. Are you willing to surrender it all to the one who gave his all for you and for me? Take up thy
privilege for worshiping with us online and in person. It's so great to see all of you and know for many of you watching, we miss you and wish you were here, and I hope that many of you will feel comfortable to come back soon to God's house and worship. I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, on October 31st, we're doing trunkless treasures. And this has taken the place of our trunks of treasure that we normally do around back. We're going to do out on the portico out front, some folks are going to be passing out candy in prepackaged bags, and that's where we need your help. If you're willing uh, between now and next Sunday to drop off some bags of candy, and then we have some volunteers that are willing to fill these bags with not only sweet treats, but we're going to put the plan of salvation and some information about the church. If you could help us out by bringing candy, because this potentially could be a big event uh, with not normal circumstances. So if you're willing to donate some candy, just uh, please bring it by the church sometime in the next few days. And we're not only going to have the giveaway out here, but so thankful that there's going to be a live band playing. So folks that are driving and maybe waiting will hear some good music. I'm grateful for that. And then also I was reminded before the service, we still are doing Operation Christmas Child, but we need your help to fill a shoebox. If you would go to the Operation Christmas Child website, it gives you all the instructions of how to fill a box or, or and or make a contribution and they'll do it for you. But we're trying to have a goal of 500. Normally, I think it's 1,500 or 1,200. But if we could fill up 500, and I think right now we're only at 60-something. So we, we need your help if you would be willing to help us so that the message of Christ and some small tokens of love would go to children who otherwise would not have Christmas. So if you could help us out by doing that, we would greatly appreciate it. If you're on our church uh, mailing email list, you'll be getting discussion questions that you can discuss with a family member or a friend about the message today and to grow in your faith. This is taking the place of our evening worship. And then we hope you'll join us back here on Wednesday night. We've been meeting here in the sanctuary on Wednesdays at 6. We'd love to have you join us. Thank you all for coming. I love you all. God bless you. Have an awesome day. As Bill leads us, this will be our choral benediction. That sings my soul, I sing God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. That sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Thank you and God bless.